Father God, thank you for this opportunity to hear your word and thank you too for the rich reward we have in the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for what the Bible tells us of the life of Moses and his leadership of the Israelites at the time of oppression in Egypt and we pray that you will guide David during his sermon today relating to the book of Exodus. Amen. Then the Lord said to Moses, Get up early in the morning, confront Pharaoh and say to him, This is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, says, Let my people go so that they may worship me. Or this time I will send the full force of my plagues against you and against your officials and your people, so you may know that there is no one like me in all the earth. For by now I could have stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with a plague that would have wiped you off the earth. But I have raised you up for this very purpose, that I might show you my power and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. You still set yourself against my people and will not let them go. Therefore, at this time tomorrow, I will send the worst hailstorm that has ever fallen on Egypt, from the day it was founded till now. Give an order now to bring your livestock and everything you have in the field to a place of shelter, because the hail will fall on every person and animal that has not been brought in and is still out in the field, and they will all die. Those officials of Pharaoh who feared the word of the Lord hurried to bring their slaves and their livestock inside. But those who ignored the word of the Lord left their slaves and livestock in the field. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward the sky so that hail will fall all over Egypt, on people and animals and on everything growing in the fields of Egypt. When Moses stretched out his staff toward the sky, the Lord sent thunder and hail and lightning flashed down to the ground. So the Lord rained hail on the land of Egypt. Hail fell and lightning flashed back and forth. It was the worst storm in all the land of Egypt since it had become a nation. Throughout Egypt, hail struck everything in the fields, both people and animals. It beat down on everything growing in the fields and stripped every tree. The only place it did not hail was the land of Goshen where the Israelites were. Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron. This time I have sinned, he said to them. The Lord is in the right and I and my people are in the wrong. Pray to the Lord, for we have had enough thunder and hail. I will let you go. You don't have to stay any longer. Moses replied, When I have gone out of the city, I will spread out my hands in prayer to the Lord. The thunder will stop and there will be no more hail. So you may know that the earth is the Lord's. But I know that you and your officials still do not fear the Lord God. The flax and barley were destroyed since the barley had headed and the flax was in bloom. The wheat and spelt, however, were not destroyed because they ripened later. Then Moses left Pharaoh and went out of the city. He spread out his hands toward the Lord. The thunder and hail stopped and the rain no longer poured down on the land. When Pharaoh saw that the rain and hail and thunder had stopped, he sinned again. He and his officials hardened their hearts. So Pharaoh's heart was hard and he would not let the Israelites go just as the Lord had said through Moses. This is the word of the Lord. Yeah, well, please do uh, keep those uh, Bibles open. You'll need them to, to uh, follow along uh, this morning, uh, like uh, every morning. I wonder if you know the song, The Power. It's by a German group called The Snap. Actually, I doubt it unless you hear it. 
Yeah, you know the song. Uh, it's from the early uh, 90s, uh, and it's a, been a hit for advertisers ever since. I've got the power. Advertisers love it because they know we want power. We want powerful air conditioning, powerful cars. We want a powerful university course that will give us a powerful job. We want power. But who's got power uh, among us in our society? Well, we voted a coalition government uh, into power. And so Scott Morrison uh, is our elected Prime Minister. He's got the power to lead our nation. But the politicians aren't the only ones with power, are they? There are the social commentators, the the influencers, the the comedians of our day who have great power among us. Uh, People hang off their every word. People are persuaded by the things uh, that they say. Their opinions influence us Their words are powerful. And then there are those who have power uh, and authority who are close to us, whether those in our workplaces or friendship circles. Uh, We care about what they say and they they influence the decisions that we make in day-to-day life. They have power over us. And then there are those who we are more concerned about, whose power is quite powerful over us, so that we don't speak about Jesus among them. We're uh, continuing the book of Exodus uh, as a church, and this morning, as we saw in the kids' talk, we see this gigantic, massive power struggle of cosmic proportions as the Lord God Yahweh, as we saw last week, battles Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Uh, God's people, they have been in Egypt and they have been enslaved cruelly and harshly by Pharaoh. And the Lord's seen and he's heard and he knows their pain. And so he sent Moses to to lead his people out of slavery. (coughs) And as Moses meets with Pharaoh for the first time in chapter 5, well, how does Pharaoh respond? Well, he says, Who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go. Who is this guy? And so Pharaoh responds to their question and uh, to to this and really turns it up. He increases their burden in slavery and harshly. And as we see see the plagues unfold, this battle of the ages, a cosmic clash between the Lord and Pharaoh, God unleashes his power so that they will know that he is the Lord that Pharaoh will know. And so throughout this cosmic clash, we see God's power on display. So if you have a look there at at 9.16, it explains it there. I have raised you up for this purpose, that I may show you my power, and that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. I might show you my power. And we're going to see uh, God's power displayed in three different ways. And the first uh, first way that we see God's power is God's creative power. Uh, God shows his creative power by bringing chaos into the world. In Genesis uh, chapter 1, we see God's creative power in action as he speaks creation into existence. He brings order from the chaos, from the darkness, from the void. 
But in the plagues, God uses his creative power and he reverses it. The power of his word is used to cause chaos to his good order. And when God ends each plague, well, he restores the good order of creation. Sadly, we won't have time to look at each plague uh, closely. And so if you haven't read them recently, let me encourage you this afternoon to to have a read of them, uh, to to, to remind yourselves of, of these plagues. But in each plague, we will see God's creative power in action, just like the first one, as the water of the Nile River, their life source is turned into blood. Have a look there at uh, chapter 7, verse 20, where it says, Moses raised his staff in the presence of Pharaoh and his officials and struck the water of the Nile, and all the water was changed into blood. The fish in the Nile died, and the river smelled so bad that the Egyptians could not drink its water. Blood was everywhere in Egypt. The Lord turns their life source for farming, for fishing, for drinking. It was their life and he turned it into a river of death. It was an act of de-creation. Now some pharaohs uh, have arrogantly boasted that they have owned the river. Some have even claimed that they were the ones who created the Nile River. But God here in this first plague shows what folly that is as he turns their life source into death. God has power over his creation. We see it in the hailstorm that was read for us as well. I have a look there at uh, 9.23 where it says, uh, The Lord sent thunder and hail and lightning flashed down to the ground. So the Lord rained hail on the land of Egypt. Hail fell and lightning flashed back and forth. It was the worst storm in all the land of Egypt since it had become a nation. You see, God's creative power using the weather, the worst storm ever. You see, nothing is left untouched. Everything is destroyed. And you see, God uses his creative uh, power in each of the plagues, over the weather, over the, over the sun, on people. Uh, he even uses the animal kingdom against, turns it against Pharaoh and his people. And as each plague hits, it's like an unrelenting wave. Kind of like the person who goes to the beach uh, and there's huge waves and they are determined to get past the big waves so that they can try and catch one in and they are just hit again and again and again by each wave. You see, the cycles of, of the plagues continue to hit Pharaoh. They are unrelenting and he is powerless to do anything about them. And then there are Pharaoh's magicians. Uh, they're kind of around in the first couple of, of plagues. They're able to mimic some of these. They can turn water into blood and they are able to produce more frogs. But do notice something about the, uh, uh, the magicians there is they, they aren't able to stop the mess. They can't stop there being blood. They can't stop there being frogs. They can only produce more. And so they produce these things, but they can't stop them. And in fact, 
Pharaoh seems to be aware of this. And so in chapter 8, verse 8, he pleads with Moses, please remove these frogs. And after two rounds of the magicians being around, they aren't able to produce the gnats from the third plague. And so uh, in chapter 8, 19, they tell Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. You see, the, the magicians, they, they catch on pretty quickly. They are no match for the Lord God. They recognize how powerful he is, that his hand is at play throughout this. And while some people will try to explain away the, the parables, uh, oh, parables, the plagues uh, today, they'll say, oh, there's all these naturalistic reasons for, for why these happen. It was just a, a freak of, of nature. And while we might be able to say that of, of one or maybe, say, two plagues, but ten plagues, hit after hit after hit of unrelenting waves, you see, that level of intensity can't be just explained away. Like there being sunlight where the, where the Israelites are, but complete darkness where the Egyptians were. And the fact of the matter is, before the very first plague, God had told Moses that he would judge Pharaoh for not letting the people go. And that he would stretch out his hand against them and the great signs and wonders would be performed before Pharaoh so that he would know, that he would know that the Lord God was God. And so God unleashes his creative power against Pharaoh And throughout this account, we see God's total control in this whole situation. And and we understand here as we look through Exodus why it is that God is using his creation against Pharaoh. See, Pharaoh won't let the people go, and so we know that God is using his creation power against Pharaoh for that reason. But you see, we won't always know that. As we see the natural disasters that take place in our world around us, uh, with, with droughts and cyclones in, in this country, or, or tsunamis and earthquakes and many, many other natural disasters that we see, God is in control. But we won't know why, like we see in Exodus. Why it is God has caused these things to happen. He can stop them when he likes. And when we're in the middle of those, we, we can think, God, Oh, why aren't you stopping this? But see, we won't ever really be able to answer that question here and now because we don't know why. But Exodus shows us that God is in total control of his creation. He has ultimate creation power. The world has not spun out of control when these things happen. He has power over his creation. And at the cosmic shattering event, the incarnation, when God became man in the person of Jesus, when God became flesh, we see in the person of Jesus that he too has creative power. As he stood in the boat of that most terrifying storm with with hardened sailors fearing for their lives in the midst of that storm, Jesus speaks to the storm, quiet, be still. And instantly, peace and order are brought to the waters. Why don't 
you try. I've got a challenge for you. Next time you see someone doing a bomb into the pool, or uh, maybe a bit easier for you when a child comes out of a bath, or maybe when you get out of a bath, um, why don't you tell the water to, to be still? Um, here's my um, encouragement, though. If you do that, just maybe don't speak too loudly because uh, people will probably think you're pretty crazy. Uh, but Jesus shows his creative power by the power of his word by bringing instant calm to the water. You see, Jesus has creative power. He is master over creation. Well, back in Exodus, as the cosmic showdown takes place, pharaohs seem to be weak and useless against God's creative power. And while the plagues demonstrate God's creative power, they also demonstrate God's sovereign power. Now, God's sovereignty is, is that God's has ultimate control of and over all things. He knows and, and plans what will take place ahead of time. And we, and we see it throughout the plagues. We see this kind of, this phrase repeated again and again, six times in fact, where it says, just as the Lord had said. Just as the Lord had said. And, the, and it kind of refers back to the, to the time where, where God had said that Pharaoh would have a hard heart. The Lord knew how Pharaoh would react because he has sovereign power. And as we kind of read through the plagues, we might think, wow, Pharaoh's getting away with it. Here he is deceiving God. He seems to be pulling the wool over God's eyes and getting away with it and, and that he doesn't let the people go. And Pharaoh might think he's getting away with it too. But have a look at what the Lord said to Pharaoh in, during the hailstorm, just before that. Have a look there at uh, 9.15. 9.15, it says this. <clears throat> For by now I could have stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with a plague that would have wiped you off the earth. But I have raised you up for this purpose, that I might show you my power and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. You see, the Lord could have smashed, destroyed Pharaoh with one hit, smashed him out of the park, wiped him off the face of the earth. But he doesn't. So that he can display his power and that his name may be known. You see, God has sovereign power over Pharaoh and over their interactions. He knows how Pharaoh will react. He knows Pharaoh will harden his heart. But here lies the, the, the conundrum and the, and the puzzle uh, that this passage uh, brings out for us. Pharaoh hardens his own heart and at the same time, God hardens Pharaoh's heart. Three times, in fact, we see in the later couple of plagues, God hardens Pharaoh's heart. And, and, and sure, Pharaoh hardens his heart first. We see that Pharaoh hardens his heart quite a few times at the start, but, but towards the end, they're, they're, they are both hardening Pharaoh's heart. And we need to hold these two things together. Pharaoh is responsible for his actions. He has opposed God and his people, 
He cannot blame God for the way that he has treated God's people. And yet at the same time, God is sovereign. He has sovereign power even over human hearts, even over those who turn against him. God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And we must hold these two things together, human responsibility and God's sovereign power. And the difficulty we have when it comes to this is part of our view of God. We can can think of God as just being too small. We we can think that we've got to fit God into a box with with neat propositions that we're kind of happy with and and understand that can kind of fit within our our logical mind and, and the way that we might conceive things to be, like a shopping list and we can tick the things off. But when we do that, we're just really putting God into a box and saying he fits in with this formula that I'm happy with and comfortable with. But you see, God is far bigger than our feeble minds can understand and comprehend, far bigger than what we can imagine God to be. And so what Exodus does here, it reveals to us that these two seemingly points of of tension are to be held together. People are responsible for their actions, and yet God is sovereignly in control over all things. I think Exodus shows that here very clearly, but I think the most clearest place in in all of Scripture is in Acts chapter 2 where Peter preaches the very first Christian sermon and speaks about the significance of Jesus' death. Uh, And he says this in Acts 2, This man, that is Jesus, was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. You see, Jesus' death was no accident. It was part of God's deliberate plan. And yet at the same time, wicked people nailed him to that cross and killed him. Both are true at the same time. And so when it comes to things like thinking about God's sovereignty and that we can find it really difficult to understand, the difficulty lies with us, not with God's word and God himself. We need to trust God and his word even through these difficulties. But the reality is that these two truths should actually be a great comfort for us because God won't let those who get away with the evil they have committed. God won't let people get away with it. We don't live in a world of of chaos, a world of chance, out of God's control because we know, we have the great privilege of knowing that God works all things for the good of those who love him. And so even when all things have fallen off in life, the wheels of the wagon have have gone, knowing these truths is actually a great comfort. God has sovereign power even over the mess in our lives. God might be using the great evil done against us for our good. Here we are stuck in that in the here and now, and yet God is timeless. He knows what's ahead, and he will be using it for his good purposes in the time ahead. Take comfort in that. And so when there's a person in authority in your life who who makes your life really difficult, who just seeks after their their own interest and doesn't listen, pushes their own views and understandings without listening, or the boss who prevents you from being promoted because you're a Christian and want to make sure you're committed to, 
to gathering or to, with God's people on Sundays and so work, won't work on Sundays. Or the friend who's heard the gospel countless times but continues to reject Jesus and keep him at arm's length. And while it might seem in these situations that, that people are, are resisting God and they're successful in that resistance of God, as we have seen in Exodus, God has sovereign power. He's in total control. Nothing happens outside of God's understanding or will. And I reckon this is particularly helpful for us as a church at the moment, particularly the things that have gone on uh, at our church in, in the past and also what is going to be happening in the future. You see, God knows and he's in control of it all. God's in control. And you see what will eventually happen here? God is in control. Take comfort in that. And so even if things don't pan out the way that we think is best or we think is the best outcome for for us, the wool hasn't been pulled over God's eyes. He knows. He sees everything. He's in control of all things and will be using it for our good in the future. Praise God for that, hey? And as we look back on this moment in the future, I do pray that we can be thankful. We can be thankful for God's work through this because God has sovereign power and nothing is outside of God's will. Well, the plagues show God's creative and sovereign power and the third thing they show is God's salvation power. God in this cosmic battle he makes a distinction. He uses his power to, to save his people, to protect his people from the plagues and eventually to bring them out of slavery into their own land. And yet whilst he uses his power to save some, he actually uses his power against his enemies. You see, the Lord makes a distinction and uses his saving power to protect and so with some of the plagues, like the, the flies, the livestock, the boils, the, the hail and the darkness, as those hit the Egyptians, as the world goes to chaos for them, God's people are protected. They are saved and kept out of harm's way. And the Lord offers Pharaoh time and time again to repent and, and to let the people go. In fact, he even warns them of what will happen so that people can act and and make changes so that they're not affected, like with the hailstorm. But even despite these many warnings uh, to Pharaoh, and who actually twice acknowledges that he has sinned against God, his repentance is not genuine because he returns to his his former stance as soon as the hardship, as soon as the plague has gone. And look, we might know people like this in in our lives. As life is turned upside down, as the the mess of life, they they realise they're they're sinners and and, and need to seek God's forgiveness. Uh, They they appear to to fear God and it seems wonderful, but as soon as their hardship's gone, removed, they give up on their so-called newfound faith. 
And this causes us great pain, and it certainly has for me lately. But it's not unexpected. Jesus tells us as the gospel goes forth, there will be some who receive it with gladness, but as soon as push comes to shove, they're unwilling to serve God with their life. Their faith is not genuine. And see, that's the thing with faith. It's not about how well we start the faith, how well we we start the race. Some may display great zeal and passion at the very start, but as life goes on, they become jaded and and, and lukewarm and, and just give up in the end. That person has not finished the race. It's so sad. You see, we need to press on. Continue despite the ups and downs. It, it, it's a marathon. It's, it's no sprint. We, we might limp, even crawl over the line with missing limbs, battle scars galore. But we'll get there in the end with God's help. He will help us reach that finish line at Christ's return. We must press on. Well, God has demonstrated his power to, to Pharaoh. And he just seems to resist the obvious conclusion that he is no match for Yahweh, the God of Israel. And he just doesn't seem to get it, that God is on their side. It's kind of like uh, the kid at school who might have been prone to a bit of bullying. Uh, But no one bullies him because his brother's like this uh, UFC champion. and Pharaoh's like that bully who's just moved to town and doesn't know the, the, this kid's brother. And, you know, Pharaoh bullies the kid and, well, what a big mistake. God steps in and he protects and he saves his people and brings Pharaoh down. And while it might seem that Pharaoh's getting away with it, well, it won't last. God will save his people in his good time. Because God is a God of salvation power. And the most greatest, most clearest place that we see God's salvation power is on the cross, isn't it? Where where Jesus dies in our place. Uh, We saw earlier that that we are responsible for, for our actions and the evil that we have committed against God and other people and we deserve punishment for it. We are all equally guilty. Uh, but Jesus takes the punishment that we deserve so that we don't so, so that we aren't. And those who trust in Jesus, trust with their lives, well forgiveness is theirs, and a right relationship with God can be found. This is such good news. I wonder, is it your good news too? Because it can be. God is a power. Uh, God is a God of salvation power. Well, the plagues have shown us God's creative, sovereign and salvation power. God is powerful. Look out for us today. We might acknowledge God's power, but where in life do we doubt it? In what situation do we find ourselves in where we disbelieve? where things seem so difficult that even God is powerless to do anything. 
we might need to be reminded of God's power like we have been this morning. That no, that the, not the hardship, oh, this is so hard of what we're in, but actually to remember, uh, to remember God in this and God's sovereign control over all things. And even though he's in control of all things, it doesn't mean that that will necessarily change the situation that we're in according to our desires and the timings we so may wish. I think what we need to do and remember is to put our issues and hardships in in circumstances in one corner and put God in the other corner. And when we do that, we just realize there is no contest. God will destroy them every time. And so while we may ask, why me? Why am I going through this? I, I don't know. And you know, we may never find out on this side of Christ's return. But God cares. I think Exodus has showed us that God, God cares. He knows what we're going through. He cares about the way we're treated. And he'll do something about it one day. Do we believe it? Because it is a great comfort when we do. But we so easily forget. That's why we need each other to, to remember these things when we get so caught up in the small view of God that we have, when we look at God through a microscope instead of a telescope, this small opposed to a big picture of, of who God is. We need to remember. God's almighty power was displayed in Exodus. And he continues to have that power over our daily lives and affairs. He cares, he knows, he sees, he knows what we're going through. He isn't some just impersonal power, but actually he has ultimate supreme power and yet loves us and cares for us. What a great God to know and to be known by. And so let's entrust ourselves to him and no other and fear no other except him, the great God, with infinite power. Let's pray. (laughs) Father God, we give you great thanks uh, for your immense uh, power uh, displayed here in Exodus, but what we know and and are aware in all areas and all walks of life. Father, in the hardness of, of life, help us and to entrust ourselves to, to, to you and your, your sovereignty, your, your care, your power, uh, and to trust that, that you, you've got it, got it covered. We thank you for your salvation power, that you would save each one of us, despite our rebellious ways, and that we can have the gift of, of being saved and in your family. We are so thankful for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.